You are listening to Mars Attacks podcast, a member of Talking Metal Digital and the Cast Iron Ring. Hey, Metalheads and Headbangers, this is Doro Cash, and you're listening to Victor here on Mars Attacks Radio. I wish you a great time, rock on, and keep metal alive. Hi, this is Peter Gertzada of Video, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on VH1 Classic, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf of Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Robert Fleshman, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Mars Attacks Radio. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. What's up? This is Morgan from Kitty, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Eric. A.K.A. Ron Hauser from Gypsy Hawk, and you're listening to Mars Attacks and my good buddy Victor. The cosmic sky beckons the world. If we do not destroy ourselves, beyond 12 billion, I guess. I can't understand in the tough species. Science preaches a new way. Here's your host, Victor. Come get your rocks out. Welcome, one and all, to episode 88 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and after a week off, we are back with another podcast. This was originally a live show that was done... Uh, roughly about 10 days ago, and this is an edited form of that specific, or the first hour of that show anyway. The first hour was with Eric Kluber of Gypsy Hawk, current guitarist of Gypsy Hawk, and he was also in White Wizard and Overloaded, and we did something a little unique with him. I've always wanted to get like a storytellers type show. Put together, I did one with Bruce Kulick, which you can download uh, right off of the MarsAttacksRadio.com website. And what I did with Eric with this is I asked him, I said, hey, you know, name a track from Overloaded, a track from Gypsy Hawk, and a track from uh, White Wizard. 
and let's play them and tell us why you know you dig these tracks and and that's exactly what we did so this episode is going to be a little bit different to what we've done in the past in that we will have the interviews portion we will have songs cutting in and out and a bunch of other things that we're going to talk to him about for example Andrew Packard leaving the um, the the band uh there we also talk about uh, how the Ron Hauser name came up, similar to how Kiss came up with the whole Ace Frehley, uh, Paul Stanley type deal, how they handled it. So instead of naming Eric Ace, they named him Ron Hauser. So there you go. Uh, what else? We also talk about the upcoming Gypsy Hawk album, uh, what it's like for a band of their stature to tour, and crowdfunding, one of the last uh IDs there before Eric jumps in is Morgan from Kitty. And Kitty was lucky enough to have a campaign that they set up, a crowdfunding campaign, I should say, which was funded in about eight hours, which is cool. It's for a documentary. And, I mean, that's something that I'd really like to check out. I I think that there are a lot of these documentaries coming out, but, I mean, I think this one would be really neat because I do think that Kitty were pioneers back in the 90s when they did come out. Remember, Angela Grasso was not an arch enemy at the time. So it was really groundbreaking to have, you know, a female lead vocalist doing the the guttural vocals that Kitty was doing, and they were always on a harder edge than a lot of these other, you know, artists. And if you really think about it, I mean, there there were people on the underground, like, for example, Hellion is coming back now, and, I mean, that isn't, comparable but it, it maybe it's comparable to maybe bringing up names like Lita Ford or Doro Pesh where uh, maybe Hellion would be more you know something that you could compare it would almost be and not to say that Hellion sucked or anything like that I don't want people to take this the wrong way they just didn't have the notoriety so it was almost in a different league than Lita Ford and Doro because they were everywhere Kitty was like that next band that was female-fronted that really jumped out and went to the forefront. So they had a lot of fans that jumped on, I'm not going to say the bandwagon, but you know that really supported them from the start. So they have a very big fan following. It isn't the same as, say, a band like Gypsy Hawk, who, you know, I'm not going to say a bad thing about them because obviously... Eric is a good friend of the show, but obviously, but also they put out great music. So, I mean, it's, you know, a two-for-one in, in my opinion. But it's a different boat. It's a whole completely different ball of wax when you're comparing the two bands because they're, they're on different levels, came out at different points in time. And a lot of times, you know, it's luck of the draw and being at the right place at the right time i'm not diminishing gypsy hawk in any way shape or form not saying that they're better or worse because i think in the end music is you know a lot about opinion and you know it just surprises me that so many people on the internet just post something and it seems as if they've got their arms folded and it's like this is my opinion and it's the only one that counts uh this is something that you'll hear me discuss with scott from focus on metal and Chris from Decibel Geek uh, podcast on episode, 
89, we may split it up into a two-parter because it's about two hours worth of conversation. So we may do an hour each or an hour and change anyway. And, you know, there's something that I've been saying for years, you know, how a lot of established bands during the 80s, you know, and I'm not knocking these bands, they change with the times, you know, to stay relevant. You have a band like ACDC who for... Uh, on an album like Fly in the Wall, whether you are a diehard ACDC fan or not, they changed their sound to stay relevant and compete with other bands that were trying to sell to the same, you know, audience. Judas Priest did this. Kiss did this. Motley Crue did this. A lot of these bands did this again in the 90s. Motorhead did this. You know, a lot of people say, well, Motorhead have never changed a thing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Listen to the album with Brian Robson. Tell me that sounds like the albums that Eddie Clark played on. Because it doesn't. A song like Dancing on Your Grave does not sound like something that would have come off of Bomber or Ace of Spades. And fast forward to the 90s, Overnight Sensation is a song that was so influenced by grunge I mean, people not kiss for Carnival of Souls or, you know, Motley Crue for Generation Swine, but hello, Motorhead did the same damn thing, okay? Uh, You look at Bruce Dickinson's solo output. Bruce changed with the times. Within Maiden, they didn't. But Bruce sure as hell did. If you listen to, you know, Chemical Wedding and you listen to Accident of Birth, two great albums, by the way, he tuned down. It was more of a fresh album. Both of those albums were fresh for their times. They still sound great. There are some great tracks off of both of those albums. And no one's knocking Bruce for doing that. You know, so I mean, I I don't know. I I don't understand it. But anyway, getting back to my point, people just sit there and say, No, ACDC never changed their sound. Slayer never changed their sound. Mind you, they were playing with seven strings and detuning at one point in time. But yeah, they were doing that on, you know, Seasons and Rain and Blood. But, you know, whatever. Um, Nothing bad with any of that. You know, and I think it's cool. You know, I think Metallica gets beat up on by a lot of, you know, fans because of uh, Load and um, Reload and... You know, and Lulu and St. Anger. Uh, and even with Death, Mag- Death Magnetic, excuse me. I really enjoyed Death Magnetic. There are still tracks off of that that I listen to on a frequent basis. I really like Load. I think Re- Reload should have never come out, honestly. I-, I think they should have probably taken like the two decent tracks off of that and thrown that on Load. And it would have been, you know, it would have been great. Uh, they they ran out of time, obviously, because for, for those that don't know, the last track is Outlaw Torn. There is the rendition of the track on Load is actually cut short by 30 seconds because it wouldn't have fit on a standard CD if not. And if you get... Um, I have all the singles from that album. And I want to say that it might be Mama Said... There's a a version of that song that's even longer. It has a longer solo going out the end of the the track. 
and it's pretty cool, you know. I, I, it sucks, you know, that it wasn't included, but you know, I understand they didn't, you know, it wouldn't have fit an entire, you know, seventy-four minute CD if not. Would I have gotten rid of say two by four and included that, or included say Memory Remains on that instead of two by four? Maybe you know. Um, there, there. Oh, and I'm screwing that up. Mama said was on Reload, I believe, and on Load it was Hero of the Day. Uh, anyway, in any event, it was on one of those singles. But Metallica gets knocked, and you know I can see a band that doesn't want to pigeonhole themselves and wants to evolve. Maybe Metallica did it. You know, maybe in too swift of a fashion, going from Injustice to the Black Album to Load, but you know, hey, um, is it is it Lulu? No, is it S and M? S and M, I absolutely hate. I mean, I I've listened to that album the whole way through once, and it was like torture because you're listening to two things at the same time instead of one. You know, no. no, no I don't want to knock the late, great Michael Kamen, but that was definitely something that didn't work. You know, again, it's like you're putting a, you put a classical album on and you put a Metallica album on at the same time, and you've got two contrasting things going on. The only two tracks that are good are the two new tracks on that, Minus Human and No Leaf Clover, because no one had heard them and they sort of you know, complimented what what they did on those tracks, where I think with all the other tracks, it's just too much. There's just too much for your brain to absorb. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But, I don't know, you just sort of scratch your head. And a lot of these bigger bands, you know, you hear about managers, you know, giving ideas to certain bands to put certain material out for concept albums. You hear... You know, or you listen to the albums like Lulu or S and M, and you think, you know, why isn't there someone telling them no? That doesn't work. You know, some of these bigger bands need that. Needs not yes men, need no men to say, you know, that's a cool idea, but just save it for yourself. Keep it, you know, on the DL. How many artists do that? Where they record things that. They, you know, it's not going to fit their band, so they have it, you know, at home. Was just reading, you know, the Rolling Stone interview with uh, the guys from Kiss, uh, purchased the Guitar World as well, and the Classic Rock Magazine interviews, and, and they were all really good. I, I got the, the Paul Stanley download today off of Amazon, have not started reading it yet, just been pretty hectic and crazy these last... Um, two weeks or so but uh it's interesting there's a point where paul stanley alludes to the fact that gene simmons in his spare time records all of these ballads that never see the light of day and now i get why he's he's been saying that there were no ballads for a monster or sonic boom because i guess that's just what gene is trying to bring to the table something like journey of a thousand years off of a psycho um circus i'm assuming but, you know, um, I, I, there are things like that where 
Paul maybe is saying no and these tracks aren't coming out. I can understand that. I think you have to know how to auto-filter yourself and how something isn't going to work for a project. You know, how sometimes you say, you know what, this is really cool, but it just isn't going to fit. You know, there are so many other types of music that I enjoy. And, I mean, hell, I got crapped on for, you know, putting together 12 tracks that sounded nothing like one another, demoing them, trying to get, you know, artists involved with them, or or local musicians anyway, some known musicians, some not so known, and hearing, you know, oh, well, these don't work all together. Well, why not? Well, they sound too different. You have to, you know, sort of find the common ground and just put that out and I'm thinking why you know this is the exact mentality and reason why the album format is dead there are very few bands that put out a a good album front to back and that's why because they're scared to venture out of you know their their comfortable box and do something a little different that's why I think it's cool with this discussion with Eric from Gypsy Hawk he gets into how the songs vary off of everything that he's done with the band and how with the new album, how that's also the case as well. You're, you'll hear him discuss that in a little bit. Well, I was as I was alluding to a few moments ago, things have been very busy. Having um, my two kids extremely sick, but that's what you have when you have two kids under the age of three. My youngest is 17 months old as of today. And my oldest is going to be three years old in June. So we have all the the good, uh, you know, uh, stomach flus and that's what the oldest had. And uh, the youngest had uh, laryngitis, which went to bronchitis. And now he's got his four canines coming out at the same time which is supposed to supposedly the most painful teeth to come out. So it's been an interesting experience. Um, part of the reason why I didn't put this episode out last week, also the other part is had to do all this unemployment paperwork, which as I figured here in Spain was going to be jumping through a bunch of fiery hoops and wouldn't be taken care of in one visit to the unemployment office. It was three visits. We got everything straightened out. Not exactly what I had, you know, what I thought the benefits were going to be, but a longer time, or, or I will have benefits for a longer period of time than what I initially expected and just won't be making as much as I expected. But at least it'll help out. In the meantime, while I am job searching, things are pretty dried up over here. Uh, I would like to continue to do the work from home thing which I have done in the past I have been doing that for close to nine years and it worked great with doing the podcasts and with my family life to be honest I'd like to continue that to pursue that avenue but you know if I can't then I can't you know I'll have to commute and do what you know 90% of the population does but uh, things are, are, are pretty screwed up here. 27% unemployment. The official numbers, 5 million uh, people unemployed. The real numbers closer to like 8 million, if I'm not mistaken. So 
I don't know. We'll see. In the meantime, also hopefully be moving within the next month, two months. I've uh, been doing everything that I can to speed that entire process along. They, and it's not that I'm not moving per se. I can't move yet because the house isn't ready yet. It's about a, uh, It was supposed to be handed over this month. Originally was supposed to be May of last year and just how things work here. May went to... Uh, went to September, September went to December, December went to January, January went to April, and we're we're in the beginning of April already. Things could get wrapped up by the end of the month. Hopefully that's the case, but we shall see. So a little bit of all that have been sort of kept me uh, almost like with an anchor dragging, and by the time I was getting home at night, just extremely just beat if that wasn't enough fell down the steps last week with my youngest son in my hands was not fun felt like someone had beat the crap out of me luckily I was able to hold my son in position while his old man was getting beat up with the steps was like a a 10 year old kid flying down the steps ass first and um had cleaned the steps because he unfortunately had vomited earlier in the day. And somehow, I cleaned them too well or whatever, and they were slippery as hell. At least to go down wearing socks, which I shouldn't have done to begin with. So, off I went to the races. He was crying. Nothing happened to him, but I was feeling it. I still feel it. My feet are still killing me from it. But, oh well. It is what it is. So anyway, before we get into the interview with Eric, just wanted to remind you guys to check out MarsAttacksRadio.com to listen to or download any previous episode of Mars Attacks. Want to also remind you to go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a comment if possible. And also, if you're on an Android, go to Stitcher. Had someone that uh, doesn't want to use Stitcher tell me that they couldn't use another podcasting program on Android. And what I've done is on the top right-hand corner of the Mars Attacks homepage, you will see the link to the FeedBurner page, which is essentially what drives everything else uh, where you're reading news from Mars Attacks. And it's, it's the icon all the way at the end. It's white with a flame on it. And if you click on that, that's the RSS feed. So if you click on that and subscribe to that in any other podcasting program, you will be able to have the episodes automatically read on whatever program you're using. So that may seem complicated to some, but I mean it's pretty straightforward if you're if you're used to these types of programs. Just click on the link when you're when you're adding a new URL to your feed, and that's pretty much it. Uh, what else? We're working up the Google Plus page because we're uh, it's supposed to help out with page visits. So we've actually set up an official Google Plus uh, page where you can now get URLs. So if you go to googleplus.com or I believe it's plus.google.com forward slash plus sign Mars Attacks Radio and you'll find the Google Plus page for Mars Attacks. You can go to Facebook also. It's facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. The Twitter, 
which is Mars Aries 2005 or VMR 907, whichever you prefer. And all that stuff is listed on the right-hand side of Mars Attacks. If you scroll down to uh, Mars Attacks, Fusion Sonica Universe, you'll find links to the blogger. Uh, let's see what else. The Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and a few other sites. So there you go. Uh, also on the page, you will find a nice donate button. want to give a shout-out and a big thanks to David Isaacs, who did give us a nice $20 donation. Tried to get him to give us a song to play for him, uh, to dedicate a song to him. And he said, you know, it wasn't cool. It was just, or it was cool that we didn't need to play a song for him. He really didn't have any requests. He just wanted to support the show. And I do appreciate that. And I do apologize for not getting back to him sooner. I'm horrible at checking out uh, the PayPal page. Uh, They should have some sort of a notification telling you, hey, you know, you've received a donation from someone, but Either I don't have it set it up, or, or either I don't have it set up, or they don't allow you to do it. So, um, so if you have any money to help out with the good old microphone fund that we've been talking about, those twenty dollars will go towards the Sure SM7B that I'm currently using has been lent to me until I fully purchase it. So. If you are interested in helping out, just donate whatever you can there. If not, go to either the affiliate store's links or click on any of the Amazon links at the bottom of the show notes for this episode or any previous episode. We also have an Amazon store where I feature every album that's been played, well, tracks off of every album that have been played on previous episodes of Mars Attacks. So if you if you check out any of that, or if you just click on that initially and then buy something else on Amazon, we get a small kickback. It's, I believe, 10% of whatever your purchase was. You don't pay anything else, but we're generating leads for them, so it helps our cause. So we do get a check every so often from Amazon, so we do appreciate anyone that does help out with that. Uh, that's pretty much it. What we're going to do is we're just going to get into... A track by Gypsy Hawk. And we did start the episode out. I, I do want to mention this because I, I think that the track absolutely kicks ass. It's my favorite uh, song off of Revelry and Resilience. A, a you know, <laughs> Eric Harris here and company are, are trying to put out all of these tongue twisters. So. The track that we started out with was Galaxy Rise. And since Game of Thorns is back on, got to see the first episode yesterday with my wife, let's get into a little The Red Wedding before jumping into the episode with Eric, a.k.a. Ron Hauser, from Gypsy Hawk, and that's Eric Kluber with a K, not Eric Harris with a C. So here we go. The Red Wedding. Across the river, casing into the key. We bring the oath by the blood I preach. We don't care to console. 
Friend of the show, Mr. Yellowfin himself, huh, aka yeah. Ron Hauser, Mr. Eric Kluber. How are you, Eric? Doing great, Victor. Nice to hear from you. Absolutely, always great to have you on. Uh, you're one of the people that uh, actually always reaches out to me to see, you know, when we can line something up again. It's always 
cool to have people do that and always great to be able to uh you know push your music i mean if your music sucked obviously i wouldn't be saying have to back but obviously you kid you kid you kid now it's good to stay in touch man i appreciate the support you've given us over the years yeah absolutely i mean you've been there since the beginning for us so it's only uh you know normal that we reciprocate the favor so thank you very much with Overloaded, obviously, you're still playing one show a year with them. Uh, what does it mean to you to still have that sort of a following, you know, back home where you can go back home and play, you know, with the band? Well, I think it's exciting. That band definitely uh, carved a niche in Detroit. We made a lot of friends, and uh, I think people remember those days at the time. I want to say around 2005, 2006, the local scene was really hot and local bands could draw crowds of around 300 people a show, which is impressive in today's times for national bands. So it was a real vibrant scene, and I think a lot of people want to relive those days. And from what I understand, the local scene has not felt that type of glory in a long time. So it's neat to be able to go back there about once a year and rekindle the fire and just have fun with my good buddies and overloaded. Cool. And tell us a little bit about President's Day. Why does this song stick out to you? I think President's Day was my favorite song we we wrote. And that's my own personal opinion. I know that Chris <laughs> Chris Gillen does not feel the same way. I don't know why. I just think that song jams. I think the 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 riff is moving. It has a lot of energy. I think it's catchy. And, uh, yeah, so uh, of all the songs we wrote, that was just my, that was my, my A-list hit. And so it's, it's as simple as that. Okay, cool. Uh, it's actually one of the songs that I've played the most by Overloaded, so I have no fear for you. Right on, man. Yeah, it's, it's a good jammer, and it always translated real well live. And that, hey, it's President's Day. I mean, it just, it people can instantly resonate with it. And like I said, the riff itself is just, is just cooking right from the get go. So I like it. I like the high energy songs. Typically they tend to be my, my favorites. A little president's day here by overloaded. <laughs>
you're interested in purchasing from it's that easy you don't pay anything more and we receive a small percentage of each sale we are back that was a little overloaded doing president's day remember any of these tracks that you do enjoy go out and support these bands and click on the links in the show notes and pick the CDs up on iTunes or the MP3 download. Is Overloaded still available on Amazon or within iTunes or anywhere yeah. like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anybody that likes it, um, appreciate the support for music and, and pick it up. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And there was a another band you were involved in that uh, we've sort of followed a little bit of drama with them. I just want to focus on the music because we all know all of the stories that are floating out there. If not, check out past episodes of my podcast. Yeah. Uh, there was a little band called White Wizard. Yeah. Uh, had this track that you selected, High Roller, yes. off of an album that a lot of people... Still, when you see online, when people say, you know, this was the definitive lineup, uh, a lot of people still point back to the lineup that you were in of White Wizard. What from High Roller sticks out in your mind? It's one of the deep cuts. It wasn't any of the hits per se. But I thought once again that this song had some great energy. And it started off right from the get-go. Um, I really liked, I liked the, the harmony. I wrote that part for the tune, and then the verse itself, if you analyze it, I don't know if as a casual listener you'd notice, but it builds and builds and builds. There's four repetitions, which is pretty standard in rock and roll music, but each one has an extra layer that climbs and climbs and climbs. So I just think it was well-constructed as far as the mood goes. I think it kicks in um, really well once again. Um, it's just it's a fun it's a fun rock song. I... A lot of times when, when I'm into a band, I, you know, their quote-unquote hit song is usually not my favorite, unless it's one of those bands that the only good song they write is the hit song, <laughs> which there are many. Like, like, one, like a band like that would be Rat. 
I Love Rats hits, songs like Dance, um, You're in Love. Those are great tunes, but the rest of the album is filler. Regardless, um, bands that I do like the entire album of, which is what I prefer as far as a music collector, um, I usually find a, a quote-unquote deep cut that, that speaks to me more. So this is, this is a song that we only played on the short UK tour. We did a short tour with Ed Guy and did an appearance at Hammerfest. And if my memory serves me correctly, we performed this song on that tour, and it was really cool to do. And that was the only time. I don't think there's any footage of it on YouTube, which is a shame, of, of that lineup performing this track. You know, that would be cool if anybody does have that. Uh, I, I guess you know, from, from what I remember, there was maybe some, some digital cameras, uh, video cameras for the Hammerfest. So that footage might be out there. But I feel like the security at the other shows didn't allow for taping, for amateur taping of the shows. I feel like they're, they're more uh, stringent on the security. So uh, regardless, I, I, I enjoy this song a lot, and I, I had a good deal to do with its final output as far as you know how it was recorded. Uh, so it's a great, I really like this tune. There you go. Cool. Who goes into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of White Wizard? <laughs> I don't think they're going to make it, so it's sort of a moot point. Damn. I was thinking there would be some kiss-like drama with that selection, so... <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm over that stuff, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a little High Roller by White Wizard. <laughs> Tonight, loaded and high rolling, blackjack. 
No, 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 no. Don't take it off. Don't take. Leave it on. Leave it. Yeah, that's it. Little more Mother Tuck podcast. Coming back with Eric from the band Gypsy Hawk. And we've gone over some of his material in Overloaded. We've gone over some of his material in White Wizard. Now let's revisit the band that he's in, or not revisit, let's visit the band that he's in now, Gypsy Hawk. You picked the track, State Lines. Why does yes. this track stand out to you? Once again, it's one of the more high-energy songs on the album. It's a real burner. It's a tune that I had written the intro for back when I lived in Detroit, and I had demoed it a long time ago. And when we were writing and, and we needed more songs, I brought this up. And I really like how it came together. It's, there's, there's quite a few. I think it's a very creative song. I think it's, once again, very energetic. I think it's very catchy. A lot of my friends feel the same way as far as, you know, my, my friends who are, I guess, you know, like me and kind of like high songs that, that, that kick. And, um, once again, I think there's great riffs in it. I think it's very memorable, uh, musically and lyrically. Um, I think, I think the breakdowns, well, it's not a breakdown like modern breakdowns, but the middle jam section, the, the solo trading is, is, is done very well and not overly done to where it gets uh, redundant. Um, I think the the harmony is very memorable. And, and, you know, most of the harmonies that I write are not Iron Maiden style, where you basically just follow the main line a third above. There's mm-hmm. some count- counterpoint. And some of our other songs are more involved, like the harmony solo to, the harmony solo to Frostworm, um, the, the the riff, the outro riff, or the, the to Red Wedding. If, if you're a Gypsy Hawk fan, and those are more involved. Anyway, I, I think it's it's a really cool anthemic harmony. So to me, it's 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 a great tune, and it's a fan favorite. And we get quite a few requests for this tune, and when we don't play it live because of time restrictions, people are bummed out, you know. Uh, so right. there you go. Love this tune. Very cool. So let's jump into a little bit of State Lines coming off of Reveille and Resilience. By... Uh, one, one more quick thing. One more quick thing. I like yeah, the video. Yeah. To, uh, real quick story. I like the video, too. I think it turned out well. We went on a DIY tour with our friend's mothership, I believe, and uh, wrote, uh, Metal Blade Records sent out a friend of ours who was employed at the company and uh, for, for like two days. So he just captured some, some footage on a camera and we played it at one of our friends' cabin in Lake Tahoe. And he invited his friends over and that was like a real party. So I think the video turned out well also. It's kind of it's fun to watch. If you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Very cool. You, you guys actually have a, a few videos that you put out for this album. You did that, you did Silver Queen, and was there anything else? Yeah, Hedge King. There you go. I knew mm-hmm. that I was missing something. Uh, anyway, let's get into State Lines by Gypsy Hawk. Been gone too long. 
Mars Attacks? Show your support by liking us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash Mars Aries 2005. Don't want to miss out on an episode of the podcast? Go to iTunes or to Stitcher and subscribe. While you're there, leave us your comments. For more information, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. Once again, we are back with Eric from Gypsy Hawk. Eric with a K, not Eric with a C. <laughs> that's right. That's and, and you know our singer Eric Harris. That's Eric with a C. 
And that's why, uh, since we have two Eric's in the band, that's why I go by Ron when I'm on the road because there's confusion. People say, hey, Eric. And I got that nickname because the first guitar player was considered the quote-unquote dad of the band. So my very first tour and my very first out-of-town show with Gypsy Hawk, one of the fans was kind of busting my balls. And he said, you'll never be dad to me. You're stepdad. And a good stepdad name is Ron. I'm like, that's so perfect. Ron's kind of like the white trash stepdad that's banging your mom and, you know, sits back on your couch watching football and drinking beer. <laughs> it's pretty good to my alter ego. So, that, so that's how Ron got, got in there. So if any, when I'm on the road, sometimes I get confused because my name's Eric. <laughs> you know, I've, I've gone by that for a long time. And so sometimes I, I have to switch modes, like, oh, yeah, I'm Ron for the next six weeks. And then I get back to L.A. And I'm like, wait, and people are like, uh, and should, you know, I'll meet somebody and, and, and tell them my name, and I'll actually be kind of puzzled. I'm like, my name is, uh, should I say Ron? Should I say Eric? You know, it's kind of funny. Yep, that's that. Very cool. Yeah, the first time I was introduced to that was, uh, you mentioned the DIY video. You guys did that pledge campaign uh, way yeah. back when. <laughs> that whole Ron Hauser comic book. Per se, or oh, the first one. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. That was like Andrew and Eric's idea, and I think it turned out really well. And I, w- I couldn't believe it, but like a lot of people, it, it was like a collector's item, and, and I, I think 25 or 50 of those were made. They're, they're done. They're kind of neat. They're funny. I didn't know that there were there was that little in production. So I'm that, well, that was it, you know. It was just a special one-off, one-of-a-kind item for that. That that Kickstarter campaign we did so long. Oh, that was to raise money to get to South by Southwest. That's what yeah. that was for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I I didn't I was surprised. That was like our big item. <laughs> yeah. So so you guys have gone that route a few on a few occasions. Do yeah. You think that, I mean, so many people are saying that crowdfunding is the way of the future, but I've seen both sides of things where uh, a band like yours does something great with, with their campaign, but I see others that totally drop the ball with it. Do you think it's, yeah, our last experience was pretty dismal and and there were, there were so many factors that you would take the entire podcast to, to really get into that one story. One thing we learned with a, first of all, to answer your question quickly, I, I, I do think that crowdfunding is very cheesy and but it's it, it was a necessary evil that we had to go through but we didn't even we had so many unfortunate expenses that came up and and things that happened on the road that we were never able to purchase a van uh right. from that money and and that that's a whole still a big freaking can of worms that, that we're dealing with um, but I do think it's cheesy, but it's a necessary evil. Our buddies in Mothership uh, have a European tour come up, and they raise $10,000, which is going to secure them uh, plane tickets and cover tour expenses, and so I'm really happy for them. I don't think it's the way of the future. I think that's a pretty sad future. Obviously, really big, famous bands raise huge amounts of money, right? and that's good for them. Um you know, we, we've never like raised fifty thousand dollars or some some. I mean, some bands raise like three hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's nuts. Uh, that's that's wild. And like I said, good for them. But I, I think it's it's kind of sad that it's it's come to that. 
Um, we probably will be forced to do another one. And, but this time, you know, one lesson we learned the last time we were trying to do these individual perks and we're like, maybe we'll do a hundred dollars for us to write a song for them. And, and, and all these things that were outside of merch. And what I found was that <laughs> it wasn't worth it. What, you know, like the work we had to put into it on top of like, you know, we're touring, we're doing that. Then we're getting home and we're getting back to our civilian lives as far as jobs, and paying bills. And then like, we got to write this new record. Then it's like, Oh yeah, I remember all those perks you signed up for and we got to honor them. And like, Oh man, this isn't worth it. So then the other thing that, that bums me out that uh, I found is that, the people who make money is not necessarily the band. So you got you got Indiegogo, who's the last place, first uh, last company we went to. They take their percentage. Then the merch company makes their merch money. Then you have to ship it. And then our manager at the time decided to take a percentage off that, which was we did not uh, expect. So all these people made money off it, and then at the end of the day, we're we're making nickels, you know. Right. So it just it, our last campaign really <laughs> was not a success in our eyes. Um, so we we learned a lot of things, and if we do in the future, I think we're just gotta like we're just gonna sell merch, real simple merch kits, and it's kind of gonna be like, hey, if you want to support the band, we're selling this, and it's for this price, and it's 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 kind of charity. So that's where we're at at the moment. You know, we've got a new manager, which we're really excited about. Um, and, and, uh, I kind of, I hope that, um, we can just do things where, you know, we tour and make a, a guarantee and, you know, we sell merchandise and we don't have to bother with that stuff, but I'm not sure if it's, that, that would be more of a perfect world. <laughs> you know, we might have to resort to that necessary evil of, Hey, we're broke. Uh, you guys know the drill and kick up some cool new merch and, and, and that's that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I agree with you 100%. I mean, for Nine Inch Nails or Metallica or bands that are well-established, I mean... Well, those guys don't have to worry about it. Those guys are set. They've been set forever, you know. But uh, bands like, um, God, what was it? Us, that, that Death Machine, Austrian Death Machine, is that the right... Okay, is that the right... I think they raised some crazy amount of money. Or people that are like, got a really good name but aren't huge celebrities like, you know, Foo Fighters, Metallica, that type of stuff, like... They can raise like they can like put out a limited edition collector's vinyl and raise crazy money, you know. But we're that's like a different world, you know. We're we're that's we're in a completely different tier than that. So for us, it's like it's still like it's still nickels and dimes, you know. <laughs> so you've switched from Gibson over to Dean Guitars. That's right. Tell us a little bit about your new setup with Dean and why you guys have decided to jump over to Dean. This was proposed to us through Metal Blade Records, which has a working relationship with Dean. And it came up. And so what happened was Dean sent us out some guitars for us to try. And so we were on tour and they shipped us to a venue that we were playing. Actually, it was in Boise, Idaho. And so we started playing the guitars. And, and so... I, you know, I was very happy. I think we were all very happy with our Gibsons. And we tried them out, and we were a bit skeptical. And what's really cool is that Dean has a new line of classic guitars, because me personally, I'm not interested in their quote-unquote heavy metal Dimebag Daryl guitars. I, I have no interest in that. But they have a, a new line. I play a Thoroughbred, which is basically a Les Paul style. 
And oh, I really, I fell in love with the guitar. And it feels great. It, so it's a, it, it's like a Les Paul, but it's the neck through, so it has a little bit of uh, better reach for the higher frets. The neck itself is a little bit faster, a little easier to play, to be quite honest. And I found my hands got used to this guitar. I did swap out the pickups. I used Motor City Pickups, which is a small boutique company out of Detroit. I replaced the pickups. And the guitar kicks total fucking ass, and it looks great. And so it passed the test. So, uh, you know, Eric, same way with his bass. Um, and our new our guitar player at the time, Andrew, was happy with his thoroughbred. And uh, Brian, a guitar player, plays a thoroughbred, and he has one of the Flying Vs. And our drummer, Ian, has just signed up with B-Drums, which you may or may not know is a, a division of Dean. Right. And, and so we're, like, thoroughly endorsed and... So the equipment passed the test. It's 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 an awesome guitar. So that's what I use, man. And that's that's it, man. And it's a company. Gibson wants nothing to do with us. They don't give two shits about us at all. That's just a reality. Uh, it doesn't mean they're dicks, but I'm not Slash. So that's all. You know, you got to be Slash or Joe Perry for them to like acknowledge you. So it's it's really cool to work with a company. For us, realistically, financially, it's awesome to get free instruments, dude. I mean. And and good quality instruments, and I I just I highly recommend if if anyone's interested and in, in, I think everyone's uh, aware of the Dimebag Daryl guitars, but that they have a new line out. They have SG style guitars, which are called the Grand Sports, um, the Les Paul style, which are called the Thoroughbreds. That's what I play. They got Flying Vs. They got some really beautiful looking guitars that play great and and sound great. I chose to. Uh, Swap out the pickups, which I do with all my all my guitars, all my Gibsons. I swap right. them out too. So um, I, I'm just, I'm just really happy about it, and it's it's just cool, man. It's cool to be <laughs> quote unquote endorsed by a guitar a guitar company. It really is. So awesome. yeah, that's how I feel. That's my story on Dean. Uh, you mentioned Andrew for a second there. Yeah. Uh, there's a link to an interview that you had posted on Facebook yesterday, which I read regarding his decision to leave the band and everything. And from the sounds of things, you're more or less in charge of, you and Eric are obviously in charge of uh, putting together most of the riffs that are written within Gypsy Hawk. Um, yeah. He obviously, from what he's stating, he ha he just has a different style of playing and would prefer to do his his own thing. With yeah. the new material that you're writing with Gypsy Hawk, is it going to follow that same sort of, um, not pattern, but the same style that you had with uh, Revelry and, and Resilience? Are you guys looking to do anything different? Uh, or is is the writing team what you guys want and you just want to continue what you had going on? Well, uh I, I think that we're continually progressing as songwriters. I want to try to answer this in a, uh, on just a couple fronts that you've asked. Um, first of all, as far as Eric and I are concerned, um, our writing team is we're working more together than ever before. Um, we're spending more time together and demoing more at my apartment and been spending literally eight-hour days 
together and, and, and writing songs and improving on songs and listening and coming back and, and working on every single particular section of the song. And, and so our, our uh, style has not changed. I, I think it's, you know, there's, there's nothing forced, you know, we just go with what sounds cool. Uh, yeah. So I think it's very much along the same lines. I like to think that it is going to be different, you know, um, but as far as our writing, where I think Gypsy Hawk, what one of our strengths is having songs that sound different from one another. In the other album, you had Frostworm, you had The Fields, you had State Lines, you had Red Wedding, you had um, Night Songs from the Dead. All these songs were very different. Silver Queen, you know, was sort of a ballad. And, and once again, we have songs that all have different feels to them we write songs in different keys not everything's uh in the key of your lowest string and, and that's actually very rare in uh hard rock and heavy metal music especially um so that process is still in there now brian our new guitar player one of the things he was very adamant about was that if he was to join the band which he joined uh two weeks before our tour our last tour with Ailstorm, by the way um was that he was going to be able to contribute to the record, which he has. Um, he's, he's added some spice to some riffs. You know, Eric and I had been already ahead of him a lot as far as the writing process has begun. So when the songs are like 95% written, you know, there's not going to be a lot of room for extra riffs. But we have, we have um, he's definitely got contributing, and I believe it'll be more on the next record. But he's definitely, uh, there is, uh, it contributed um, some solo parts that aren't necessarily solos. They're like dual lead parts that he wrote the main line and the harmony too. Actually, he wrote the part. We have a song called Maker that was just devoid of a part. I personally didn't feel a solo. And he wrote a part that was freaking just perfect and just jumped this song up a notch. I thought it was cool and, and heavy where it was just kind of simplistic there. He wrote a part that I wasn't hearing that just took this to a new level. We play it dual. It's great. Um, he's a contributed rhythm riffs as well. Andrew did as well. I mean, like the, the Hedge King, Andrew uh, contributed uh, quite a bit to that song. And he contributed some riffs, I think, to Silver Queen. So it's not like Andrew didn't contribute, but uh, Andrew definitely, when, when we were writing and, and we were asking him for riffs, what he was coming up with, he didn't feel which fit. And I, I think he's right. So it came to a point where it, it was becoming just me and Eric writing everything. So I love that interview. I was really happy that that was posted. I personally and wanted to kind of have some closure. I wanted to have some sort of statement. And then we had some people working with us that were kind of wanted to not to kind of keep a mystery about it because they felt that it made the lineup look unstable, which we've seen problems with that with other bands, but it's a reality of like things happen in people's lives and they want to move on. I thought that interview was really cool on a number of levels because it, he said why he, he, he wanted to leave. And he also painted a great picture of what it's like for, for Gypsy Hawk and bands right. in our tier of, of touring. The, the, the reality that I, for me, it's interesting to read. I, I would love for other bands to really tell it like it is. I think a lot of people um, lie and paint a picture of, that is not accurate. And I think it's more interesting to tell it like it is. But not you're not looking for sympathy. 
but you're not bragging and trying to say it's all strippers and cocaine. You're just trying to present a realistic picture, which I personally find interesting. I think other people would too. So um, I hope that it, did I answer your question? Or did I go just go off on a tangent? No. I kind of lost track here. No, you you answered it perfectly, and I like the interview as well because he didn't go out and like you know bag you guys either. Like you said, he stated the facts. He stated, you know, the the reality that you know everyone isn't able to walk in the back of a uh, you know jacuzzi limo, <laughs> you know, and yeah. some people just think, well, you're on metal blades and you've got this deal. Obviously, you're rich and and no. you're no you know. <laughs> no. It's just reality. I think he did a great job of just telling it like it is. So, and and he and he also, I really like that that he had the balls. And I don't think I've read a couple interviews with some guys saying this, but he's like, you know what, dude? At the end of the day, the quote unquote good times. You know, when you weigh the pros and the cons, from his perspective, the cons outweigh the pros, and he made a decision to step down because. I think that's awesome. I think everyone in their lives, it applies to everyone's life. Like, is this working for me? Am I in something that's really, that's not ideal for me? And, I'm, and am I just, you know, latching on to this, you know, a, a broken dream or something that's not working out? I thought that was really cool. That could, some, a statement that could apply to everyone's life. It doesn't have to be a band. It could be a job or a relationship. So it was a great read. If anyone hasn't read it, our buddy Don Delomont, from the great Southern Brain, brain Fart, um, published it recently. It's a good read. Absolutely. So we're talking about the upcoming Gypsy Hawk album. Is there any ETA on when the album will be released? You know, uh, we fell into we fell into a trap in a sense of uh, we toured, 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 toured nonstop. And then we, you know, had Andrew leave the band and then we had a guy step in who we thought was going to, it didn't work out. He did one tour. Then we had to find Bryant. And so like during the midst of this, you know, in the months that we had in between tours, I think we did five or six tours last year and we might have come home for, for a month. So we might come out all that time ended up being uh, spent on working in a new guy. So after we did our, our last tour with Ailstorm, we had some demos um, that we had written when we did have time when Eric and I would get together. But the reality is like all of a sudden um, our idea of when it would be realistic to record our next record, which is oh so important as far as it's got to be better than revelry and resilience. Um, it has been pushed back. And, and so rather than stressing out and forcing a product that, that may or may not be ready, we're writing and then we're going to test the songs out on the road and at uh, you know, one-off local shows here. And so we were hoping for a fall of um, 2014 release, but I think it's more realistic to look at winter or um, of, you know, like late 2014 or even early 2015 and that's the reality that once the album is finished completely that means artwork and mastering um then it takes four months for it to be released and so um i would i would look at an early 2015 release and uh, we'll be performing the songs live so uh people come on out and, and check them out live tell us what you think 
Absolutely. You mentioned Maker. Are there any other song titles you can share? Uh, yeah, yeah, we have nine. And then we've got one more song that has to be written. Uh, we got like two riffs to work from. Um, anywho, gosh, off the top of my head, let's go with Answers We Need, which we have performed that live. Uh, three Castles, uh, I already said Maker, uh, Main Attraction, Dragon Stink, uh, Keep Moving, Keep Moving, Blood Magic, Palad Insane, Rope of Shadow. I am missing one. I am missing one that is like there entitled and I so you're gonna have to forgive me because I can't think of it at the moment. Nope, I probably not. rehearsed it today. <laughs> Sorry, just, just I just skipped over it. So yeah, we got nine songs. Uh, one more to write from from basically ground up, and uh, that's what's up, dude. So like I said, we're gonna be touring. Uh, there is one tour that will be announced soon. That's going to be late June through July with our friend Scattered Hamlet, who you are aware of. Yeah. Um, that is, and um, the rest of it is, is yeah, we're going to be tour, tour, touring. Um, I do like this. It is so important to me to, to write great music, and I do like that we're giving our, ourselves to properly write the songs and play them out live. And, you know, it's it's just like a double-edged sword. It's like you want to tour so much, but then when are you going to write music? You know, when we're touring in a van, sleeping in a van, um, driving 14 hours a day, et cetera, et cetera, the writing on the road is not a reality for us. It's not going to happen. And and then, you know, when you come home and then you got to work in a new guitar player between each tour, <laughs> you know, it, it's double-edged. Do you tour or do you just stay home? So that's why... Um, we would like, ideally, we wanted this album out uh, fall, like September of 2014, and I think it's going to be pushed back to at least three months. So there you go. Cool. And obviously what you guys are doing is what so many bands did 40 years ago that, you know, the the this sort of procedures almost, you know, withstanded the test of time. So, I mean, it makes sense to do what you guys are doing too. it's not rocket science man we're just trying to find a balance for everything and living in life like domestic civilian life in LA is hard to handle man I mean it's hard to keep a grip dude it's hard to just keep your head above water but that's I guess that's everybody one across the world I mean it's no one's civilian life is no one's bills are easy to so it's a balance it's just so it's a big balancing act man we got touring writing rehearsing um and day-to-day life just like everybody else you know Gotcha. The last thing that I wanted to touch upon, uh, you have all these great little news bits that you're always posting regarding yeah. the truth. How funny or heartbreaking is it for you to see these stories and actually go ahead and post them? <laughs> I, uh, got to be honest, I think I have alienated a lot of my friends. <laughs> I have so many great friends in Detroit. As, you know, Detroit is a, a wild and crazy place, and it's filled with great people. But it is, it I it just lands on my doorstep every day from Facebook. I I see these posts that just blow my mind. When we were there, and the guys had never, you know, the rest of Gypsy Hawk had never been in Detroit. And I remember specifically playing a show with the Sword, and we went across the street uh, to a place called Sweetwater Tavern which makes amazing barbecue ribs. 
And the guys were just watching the news, and the headlines were so absurd you couldn't make this stuff up. Like, man attacks cop with samurai sword, man, uh, cop kills man. Uh, man's killed on bus for stepping on someone else's shoes. Um, eight-year-old robbed school teachers of, like, $800 at school. Um, the, the, the headlines never. And so that was – they couldn't believe it, right? And so I just read these headlines, and the place is like – Dude, it's it's such a such a fucking mess. It's it's comical. It really it, it fucking is. And like, I swear to God, no matter what they try, it's it's like for some reason something goes wrong. You know, for for a hot minute, the movie industry moved in there, and then they bailed, and then they have a you know a resurgence, and then that fails. And yeah, these so those stories I I post are like from the news out there, and it's just ridiculous, but it's it's true. You know, I mean a pothole. The potholes are so bad that the pothole repair truck gets stuck in them. That's, that's insane. I mean, that is straight out of Hollywood movies. If they could think of this before it happened in real, real life or just study Detroit, you would have the funniest sitcom you ever had, you know? It's right there and it's all real. But it's like, I don't know, it's like, part of me is like trying to bring awareness. Like, come on, you know, like I feel like enough exposure, like somehow it'll fix it. And because uh, there's such a part of me that wants that city to reclaim the glory it had. And um, the other side is just goddamn hilarious. It, it's just so funny, man. You know? So, yeah, that's uh, that's that, man. It's and um, as, as long as, I guess, the news keeps pumping those, those things out, and I just pick them up in my, my news feed on Facebook and I repost them, dude. And I, I seems like I can get one every day. For people to check out what Gypsy Hawk has going on or what you have going on, where should they go? Facebook. Just go to Facebook. It's all there. Easiest, easiest. Everyone knows how to use the internet. You got Google, YouTube, Facebook is is. I don't even see the need for a quote unquote uh, website anymore. I, I think it's totally redundant. I don't go to any official website. I go to I go to a Facebook page. For me, you know, if I want to catch up on anything, so. There you go. Hit it. Hey, this is Eric, a.k.a. Ron Hauser from Gypsy Hawk, and you're listening to Mars Attacks and my good buddy, Victor.
There you go. The interview with Eric from Gypsy Hawk. Throughout the episode, you had a plethora of Gypsy Hawk playing. That last track was Frostworm. And that's pretty much it for today's episode. I want to thank everyone that listened to the episode. And one thing that I did forget to mention before is go check out Talking Metal Digital. Not only the stream that we have which is or which can be found directly on the homepage of marsattacksradio.com there's a player there but you can also go to live365.com forward slash striegel s-t-r-i-g-l one two three and you will find the stream you could also enter Talking Metal Digital and it will come up uh, also this is where you can find the live shows that we do on Friday nights Almost every Friday you will hear either myself or me with Mark Striegel or me with hosts from other shows or guest interviews or or whatever like we did here. And also, just so you know, there's a new RSS feed up there for the Talking Metal Digital Network, which now consists of Talking Metal, Talking Rock... Mars Attacks, and one-on-one with with Mitch LaFon. Excuse me, one-on-one with Mitch LaFon. There you go. A very cool new show. We're glad to have Mitch on board. 
And yeah, I hope you guys are digging that. And what this new stream does, or this new feed off of iTunes, is that uh, if you subscribe to it, you'll get downloads from each of the shows that are involved with the Talking Metal Digital Network. So there you go. Also want you to remember to go check out the Cast Iron Ring. The next episode will have our good friend Scott from Focus on Metal. Uh, he is part of the Cast Iron Ring along with Radioactive Metal, Iron City of Rocks, Signal to Noise, and a bunch of other cool podcasts including Wiki Metal, uh, Bob Nell Bandian's three podcasts, so on and so forth. If you go to castironring.com, you can find out more information regarding the ring, as we call it. So, there you go. We're going to leave you off now with... And I have to say, this Gypsy Hawk album is an album that I didn't check out initially, just due to various reasons. And it's an album that really that I really started paying attention to last year. And it's funny because when I started checking out new albums, you know, when I started to try and put a best of 2013 list together, I wanted to include this album because it was one of the albums that I listened to the most. Unfortunately, it came out in 2012. So, uh, when the next album comes out, which is looking to come out either late this year or early next, I'll have to pay more attention to it early on. I really have to catch up on everything that's come out this year as well. Outside of the Jakey Lee album, the Red Dragon Cartel, I really haven't done much uh, investigating. But uh, we'll try to do a better job this time around. Anyway. We'll leave you off with a little Silver Queen. Check out the video up on YouTube as well. It's really cool. Uh, this is Gypsy Hawk, and we'll see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. <laughs>